0: Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In our last study, we began discussing some of the benefits as listed in the confessions where both Protestants and Baptists agree. Today, we will continue discussing some of these benefits. The fourth benefit previously listed is that the believer's further engagement in and to all duties which he owes to Christ. It is obvious to any Bible reader that believers have many duties that they owe to Christ, and one of these duties is partaking of the Lord's Supper. As we noted previously, 1 Corinthians 11.28 plainly declares that we are to examine and eat and drink. All three words, examine, eat, and drink, are in the present active imperative in the Greek text. In other words, we have no option. All three are a command. We We not only do not have the option of examining ourselves prior to the Lord's Supper, but we are equally commanded to eat and drink, that is, we are commanded to partake of the Lord's Supper. The Scriptures declare that obedience is the proof of the believer's love to Christ. Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Further he said, If a man love me he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. That's John fourteen, twenty one and twenty three through twenty four. Many professed believers today are slack in their attendance at the Lord's Supper. In fact, there are many people who profess to be a believer that never attach themselves to a congregation and do not participate in the Supper of the Lord. Such people refuse to submit themselves to the Scriptures because they, by practice, set themselves in authority above the Lord. Too often a person or family will attend a congregation, but because that congregation does not dot every I and cross every T as they believe, they refuse to submit themselves to it. In effect, they place themselves in judgment or in authority over the congregation and thereby thereby abstain themselves from the commandment of the Lord, that is, the Lord's Supper. Allow me to clarify something here. I am not saying that any group of people who assemble together is a congregation of God. Obviously, if the pastor or pastors of a congregation are not not preaching the true gospel of God, and the congregation is not properly administering the Lord's Supper according to the teaching of the Scriptures, one should not join himself to it. Also, I am not implying that the gospel and the Lord's Supper are the only distinguishing marks of a scriptural congregation of the Lord. Nevertheless, I am saying that these two marks are generally listed at the top of the list by both Baptists and Protestants and are vital to the subject at hand. Sadly, we live in an age where most people do not have the proper reverence and respect for the worship services of the Lord. When I was young and unconverted, I remember that I was taught to respect the worship services. Then people would generally sit in their seats and give their undivided attention to the prayers, songs, and preaching. Hardly would you see anyone getting out of their seats for any reason, and they did not have water in the containers at their pews. Today it is not uncommon to see people, young and old, going back and forth to water fountains and bathrooms or lifting a water bottle during the sermon. Additionally, it is not uncommon to see some removing themselves from the worship of the Lord to answer their phones. No wonder the Lord's Supper is so little considered, since the worship of the Lord as a whole is so little regarded. While I am addressing this, allow me to say that too often the ministers set the stage and encourage such lack of reverence by their modern casual dress. The worship of the Lord, whether on the Lord's Day morning, afternoon, or evening, or during midweek services, is to have the same honor and respect, because it is the same God that we adore and admire. Equally, when we are commanded to remember the Lord in partaking of His Supper, we should not consider it lightly. We should remember that we are commanded to do so and by doing it we have manifest or we manifest our love and devotion to him. The fifth benefit previously listed is that it is to be a bond and pledge of the believers communion with Christ and with each other. What is meant by a bond and pledge? We might better understand it if we would say a connection and guarantee of the believer's communion with Christ and each other. In other words, we are testifying that we are living in communion with Christ and that we are living in fellowship with each other, especially with our fellow church members. While communion with Christ is the center of the Lord's Supper, the fellowship of the saints must not be ignored. It, too, is central to what the Lord's Supper is all about. However, we will look at the first part, which is that of the believer's communion with Christ. But before doing this, we should be clear about something. The Greek word translated communion is koinonia, and it is translated as communion and fellowship. In fact, it is translated fellowship twelve times and communion four times. It is translated distribution, contribution, communication, and communicate one time each. Three other kindred words to this Greek word which are koinoneo, koinonikos, and koinonos, are translated as to partake, communicate, distribute, partner, fellowship, and companion. By studying these words and their meaning, it is clearly seen that there is a mutual participation between the parties, that is, the believer and the Lord, on a reciprocating basis. Just as two people have a fond attraction for each other, they are continually fellowshipping each other. Therefore, the believer is to be living in a conscious awareness of his fellowship and companionship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that the Confession reads that by partaking of the Lord's Supper, it is a bond and pledge of the believer's communion with Christ. Obviously, one should be communing with the Lord during the meal, but the statement is declaring more. It is affirming that fellowship and communion with the Lord is a way of life on a daily basis. Too often one will approach the Lord's Supper and wonder why he is not blessed with, with sweet fellowship with the Lord. Usually, this is because he does not fellowship the Lord daily. As we noted previously, a bond is a link or con- connection, and the pledge is a guarantee or assurance. Therefore, in partaking of the Supper, one is affirming his assurance and connection of his ongoing fellowship with Christ. You see, the believer is not merely eating and drinking in remembrance of Christ. He is affirming his fellowship with Christ. However, this is only half of what the benefit declares. It equally declares that it is a bond and pledge of the believer's communion with each other. That is, that the participant is living in fellowship with the saints, particularly with the congregation of the Lord. There are some who believe that all believers are to be invited to the table while others limit the meal to a particular denomination. Some limit the supper to the the particular congregation. Our purpose is not to try to determine which view is correct, though I believe it should be limited to the congregation. Regardless which view is correct, I do believe we can all agree that the people who partake of the Lord's Supper are generally those of a particular congregation. It is there where the individual member usually affirms his allegiance and responsibility to partake of the Lord's Supper. Therefore, we should bear in mind when we eat the meal that we are affirming our communion and fellowship with the people of the congregation. Too often the individuals of the congregation hardly know some of the members. Regardless of the size of the congregation, the membership should be so acquainted with each other that there is some fellowship. The members are to take time to know and to understand their fellow members so that they are consciously aware of each other. How can one pray intelligently for a fellow member if he does not know of their struggles, needs, and blessings? The Scriptures tell us to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and to weep with those who are weeping and that we are to be of the same mind one toward another. Romans twelve, fifteen through sixteen. This cannot be done unless we know something about each other. Beloved, our time is up for today, but this topic needs to be further addressed, and the Lord willing, I plan to do so in our next podcast. However, I trust you are beginning to see that there is much more included in partaking of the Lord's Supper than what is generally taught are considered in this age. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard? Or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com Thanks again for listening.